this is WTM Watch This Movie. What? <laughs> How you doing? Oh, good for you. Oh, wait. I ain't drinking up. First, you gotta do the Trump shuffle. Obviously, you're not a golfer. Watch a few movies, take a few notes. WGM. Watch this movie. Welcome back to a brand new edition of WTM Watch This Movie. I am Eric Mulder. My safe word is keep going. That it is. And joining me once again is Mr. Positivity. Call me Lone Wolf. I think very highly of myself. And I've also earned it. It's been a minute. Yeah. Although we have recorded episode 200. It is in the can, as they say. Yeah. (laughs) In the can. Hopefully not lost to uh, any technical difficulties. I already uh, fingers crossed. Did a bunch of fail safes for that. I hope so. Yeah. Originally thought I was going to be able to release it next week, kind of as as an early Christmas present, but that's not going to happen. But uh, maybe it'll be a New Year's Eve gift. <laughs> there you go. It'll be it'll be a Kwanzaa present. Yeah, something for the wife and kids, or maybe a late Hanukkah present. Maybe. I assume we have a very diverse audience. <laughs> of course. You don't get to be number one in Sri Lanka without having a diverse audience. We have a very diverse uh, set of hosts. <laughs> that we do. Not really. Uh, today's episode is just a recently seen ep. It's been a minute since we've done one of those. And I know Mr. Wolfie T has just been camping out at the movie theater not as much uh the last two weeks because i've been binging fucking wrestling (laughs) almost uh every available moment uh in preparation of last week's multiple Mm pay-per-views you were there live in person including wwe tlc where i was there in the arena check my twitter there's pictures at Positively Wolf 1. Yeah. Had some pretty good seats. That you did. It was a great time. Fun was had by all. Did you feel a lot better than everyone around you, knowing that you paid much more for your tickets than they did? No. <laughs> They're lucky they had the uh, chairs uh, zip-tied together until at the very end of the show, because I might have whacked a couple people. <laughs> We had the Spanish uh, uh, color commentator jumped into our section several times oh, yeah. during the show. <laughs> and it was much better than the uh, last one you went to, right? Yeah. Well, the last WWE pay-per-view I went to was uh, TLC in 2017. Mm-hmm. And uh, half the roster had, like, mono. <laughs> <laughs> so they didn't... They 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 had some uh, people who didn't show up because of that, and then uh, the one TLC match they had on it wasn't really a TLC match. Mm-hmm. So this one had a ladder match and uh, uh, a couple of TLC matches and a tables match. So it was pretty sweet. Nice. 
Well, let's get on with it. What did you see, Clarice? What did you see? I guess I will go first since you completed the movie challenge for Goldfinger. Mm -hmm. Saw a couple movies at the uh, Cineplex the other day. I went to Lagoon and I must say, both movies, watch them back to back. Good experiences. Lagoon's turning a corner. Last three or four movies I saw there, it's been a good experience. Big crowds on a on a Tuesday afternoon? Eh, for at least the first movie I went to, Parasite's is still drawn. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Which is the first movie I'm going to talk about, Parasite. It's got that word of mouth. <laughs> what was the, the name of the album for? Uh, it was Ludacris. Ludacris, yeah. <laughs> from 2019 Parasite directed by Bang Joon-ho starring Kang Ho Song Soon Kyun Lee Yo Jong Jo Woo Sik Choi Sodan Park Jung Eun Lee Hai Jin Lang Ji Hai Lee Jo So Jung Synopsis All unemployed uh, K-Tech and his family take peculiar interest in the wealthy and glamorous parks as they ingratiate themselves into their lives and get entangled in an unexpected incident. Yeah, they're not talking about like public parks. They're talking about a family whose last name is Parks. <laughs> well, they're Korean. <laughs> yes. That's a, I believe that's a fairly common name in Korea. Mm-hmm. There's just a- reading in here, just kind of wealthy and glamorous Parks. There's been several Major League Baseball pitchers from Korea named Park. Yep. So you reviewed this. My um, only frame of reference. <laughs> <laughs> you reviewed this on the podcast over a month ago, right? I think so, yeah. And you liked it, but you weren't enamored with it. You weren't blown away. I think you gave it an eventually, correct? I gave it an eventually. I thought uh, some of the praise is a little overdone, a little bit overrated, but... Uh, Still worth seeing. Yeah. Um, yeah, this won the Palm d'Or at Cannes last May. And it's it'll be nominated for Best Foreign Language Film. Most likely win. Probably be uh, nominated for Best Picture as well. I like this director quite a bit, uh, much more than you do. Um, he's going back to the well of movies about class. Mm. He did a Snowpiercer. He's at it again here in Parasite. I found it to be uh, pretty funny, good performances, uh, a good social commentary. Not that I have to agree with everything they're saying 100%, but I can appreciate the art. I like this movie quite a bit. <laughs> There's a moment in it, when it where the film just kind of goes off the rails in yeah. a good way, I think. Yeah kind of a holy fuck what's going on now mm-hmm. that type of a moment there's a bit of a tone shift <laughs> about two-thirds of the way in yeah yeah i found it uh highly enjoyable and i would definitely recommend it i will rate this wtm soonish watch this movie soonish wow soonish were there any characters in there that you liked yeah, but it's hard to say like or enjoyed, like differentiate between the two. Would well, I want to be any of those characters? Not necessarily, but 
But I don't know how else to phrase it. Because uh, would you like to be around any of those people? Would you like to have any of those people in your life? Maybe, yeah. I could see it. Okay. I didn't feel that. Ingenuity. I didn't feel that <laughs> watching that movie. I'm like, these people are all despicable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, they, I, I, was, it, I laughed it, pretty hard right away when about five minutes into the movie, they sit down and it seems like they're all having a, a beer together or mm. some sort of a beverage. Like, Let us celebrate our cell phones being turned back on and the bountiful Wi-Fi. <laughs> <laughs> I got a kick out of that. <laughs> oh, man. The kids are all right. Are they, though? They're kind of the ones coming up with the schemes. Yeah. But or, or the rich kids are you talking about? Well, both. I guess, you know, I don't know. You could probably make arguments for it. Yeah. Like, nobody's, like, all good. There's lots of... There's plenty of things that uh, are negative about each character uh, as far as their, uh, not necessarily personality, but I guess character. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just because you are a character does not mean that you have character. Spoilers for episode 200. <laughs> kind of, but not really. <laughs> Swerve. Yeah. All right, so I uh, am going to talk about a 2019 movie recently released in theaters. It's called Richard Jewell, and it's directed by Clint Eastwood. It stars uh, Paul Walter Hauser, Sam Rockwell, Olivia Wilde, John Hamm, Ian Gomez, and Kathy Bates. Synopsis. American security guard Richard Jewell saves thousands of lives from an exploding bomb at the 1996 Olympics, but is vilified by journalists and the press who falsely reported that he was a terrorist. That's a little misleading. So they they make it clear that Richard Jewell was not the bomber. Mm -hmm. Like, they make that clear early in the movie. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) They they do it in the... uh, the advertising of it also. If you've seen those commercials with Clint Eastwood, Richard Jewell was an American hero. <laughs> <laughs> and I've been waiting years to tell this story. You will know the truth. You mean since 1997? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know the Olympics were in 96, but I would say it played out over about the next year or so. Right, right. So... Yeah, so, and then from there, um, you kind of get the, uh, how how it came to be that the FBI kind of picked him as a, a potential suspect, and then um, how the media got that information and ran with it, and went from, you know, he's a, a person of interest or a suspect, to kind of making the reach to... Yeah, he probably did it. We're not saying he did it, but he probably did it. <laughs> um, and uh, you know, we did a we did a stretch of movies last year about the media uh, and how they're portrayed in film, and this would have fit in perfectly mm-hmm. with that with that stretch of movies. Um, you get a really good glimpse of how, oh, 
the the media can kind of spin a story in a way where they take something and totally turn it 180 on on somebody and kind of ruin their life in doing so. I thought the acting performances were fantastic. Paul Walter Hauser is amazing in his role. He he plays Richard Jewell as somebody who's kind of likable, but maybe a little overzealous about being in a position of power, but also like overly willing to help the FBI kind of turn him into the suspect number one. Yeah. Um, John Hamm was great. Olivia Wilde, I thought was great. Uh, despite the, uh, kind of media playing up the, uh, quote unquote controversy around her character. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what the truth is about what they're, uh, pointing out as far as her supposedly trading sex for stories, but based on some of the descriptions of the person she's playing, I thought she played her pretty accurately. So maybe that one aspect isn't necessarily true, but like as a whole, I thought she did a good job with the character. But I I thought it was interesting throughout. It's it's really kind of well done all over. So I, I'd give it a soonish for Richard Jewell. All right, soonish. Yeah, I am excited to see it. Apparently, you need to see it quick because yeah. <laughs> they are trying to get it out of theaters. I might try to see it on Christmas Day. Next movie I'm going to talk about is another movie you have recently discussed on the show, Honey Boy. No, I haven't talked about that on the show. Oh, you haven't? No. Nope. You can talk about it this episode? Well, I was thinking about it, but <laughs> <laughs> we can kind of tag team it. Yeah, we can. we can tag team it. All right, directed by uh, Alma Harrell, starring Shia LaBeouf, Lucas Hedges, Noah Jupe, Byron Bowers, Laura Soon Giacomo, FKA Twigs, <laughs> Natasha Leone, Micah Monroe, Clifton Collins Jr., and Mario Ponce. Storyline. A young actor's stormy childhood and early adult years as he struggles to reconcile with his father and deal with his mental health. That's worded poorly, but uh, that is the synopsis. Um, this was written by Shia LaBeouf, and it's semi-autobiographical. Yeah. Basically about his uh, upbringing with an overzealous dad. Kind of was very hard on him. Borderline, well... You can say abusive. Yeah. <laughs> you don't have to say borderline, but it's when you think of abusive father, he wouldn't be like, he wouldn't be the poster or the billboard you're you're thinking of. He's a, uh, he's he, not the worst father. Right. <laughs> he's but he's, got, he's not got, a great one. <laughs> he's got good intentions, but he doesn't know how to be a father. Yeah. And he also has mental issues. Yep. Um, which. I would assume were passed down to his mm-hmm. son, and half the movie we should mention is set in a 2005 rehab stint. Where uh, was it? 2005? I thought it was later than that. I think it was two, maybe it was like oh five oh six. I think because it was like after he filmed the uh, um, Transformers. Transformers didn't those come out around oh eight? 
Well, it's not real. Around 07 or 08. <laughs> it's not real. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. It was in the aughts. Mm-hmm. He had just done his Transformers equivalent in this universe. Yep. And uh, Lucas he, Hedges plays the older Shia LaBeouf. And uh, yeah, it was the little uh, little boy. I forget. What was the character name? Uh, it was uh, started with an O, right? Otis. Otis. Noah Jupe plays the young Otis. Yeah. So, so young Shia LaBeouf. So Otis is basically a stand-in for Shia LaBeouf. And, like, part of the movie is he had another drug-related driving arrest, and he is ordered to do rehab. Mm-hmm. And then it kind of flashes back to his, like, one summer with his dad yeah, working on a, a TV show uh, and living in a hotel room. Yeah. I thought the uh, performances were fantastic. Um, oh, I agree. I thought Shia LaBeouf was great. Yeah, he plays <laughs> plays his own father so you think he has a pretty good insight to the character um but yeah he, that's the thing about Shia LaBeouf like in real life he's kind of been a real piece he's, of work the past decade yeah. or so he's real flaky in real life yeah, although like, it seems like he may have cleaned himself up quite a bit after peanut butter falcon he talked about how much uh I forget the young actor's name yeah, I don't for Peanut Butter Falcon, he said it kind of changed his life. Seems like he's doing. He's been out of trouble for, I don't know, a while for him at least. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, he's terrific in it. The little kid is. I've, I haven't seen him before, but he was amazing as well. Yeah, um, a lot of good uh, performances from side characters. Uh, there's some uncomfortable moments, some funny moments. I mean, it's a, it's kind of an emotional roller coaster. Yeah, because it's it's about the relationship between a father and a son. The father, like I said, he wants he he wants the best for his son, but he just doesn't know how to get about doing that or give a compliment. Right, <laughs> and then the son show love. The son knows that his dad wants the best for him, but he also knows that his dad's kind of a piece of shit, mm-hmm. and so. Like, there's a lot of tension there as far as what their relationship is going to be as far as... Uh, his dad is basically his paid chaperone yeah, on the on the TV set. And, uh, you know, the son is worried that his dad, if he wouldn't pay... If he wasn't paying his dad, that his dad would leave. But then his dad's there and he, you know, he gets physical from time to time. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then his dad's worried that... You know, he's going to look like a shitty father if he's not there. But he's also kind of embarrassed that he needs his son to pay him to be there. But he needs the money. Uh, And so there's a lot of dynamics there that they kind of go into. Yeah, um, I thought it was a very unique film. I can't think of another one like it. It's rare for, you know, someone to be in an autobiographical film. Right. Much less one where he actually doesn't even play himself. He plays his father. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like the Clint Eastwood's last film, that 1517 to Paris, that was with the real-life heroes from that train in, in Paris. Yeah. Which that's kind of unique, playing a, a real story with the real people. Mm-hmm. Minus the uh, terrorists. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I found this to be very rewarding, highly enjoyable. And I will give it a soonish. 
I agree with that. Soonish. 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 <laughs> I thought it was great. I really enjoyed it. Was that one of them you were going to talk about of the three? Uh, well, I got other ones to talk about, but since you talked about Honey Boy, I'll talk about Knives Out. Have you heard about Knives Out? I have. That was the advertising campaign. Have you heard about Knives Out? From the director of The Last Jedi. Stop putting that on your poster. (laughs) So that came out uh, 2019. uh, Directed and written by Ryan Johnson. Is it Ryan Johnson or is it Rian Johnson? (laughs) It's Ryan. Because I always assume it's Ryan, but I hear people pronouncing it like a re. Rian. 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 Rian Johnson. (laughs) But I, I just say Ryan Johnson. I assume it's Ryan. It's just his parents are dumb. Don't know how to spell. <laughs> uh, stars Daniel Craig, Chris Evans, Anna de Armas, Jamie Lee Curtis, Michael Shannon, Don Johnson, Tony Collette, show favorite Tony Collette, uh, Lakeith Stanfield, Christopher Plummer, Catherine Langford, Jaden Martell, Ricky Lindholm, Edie Patterson. Frank Oz, Jesus Christ, there's a lot of people in this movie. Uh, Kay Allen, Noah Segan, M- Emmett Walsh. I'm going to stop reading. Wait, I think you're leaving out a very important actor or a very important character in the film. What about Chris Evans' sweater? I heard that was the real star of the movie. <laughs> I, was like, I didn't even notice. <laughs> That's all I saw about Twitter. Knives Out is really good. What about Chris Evans' sweater, though? That was the real... It stole the show. I guess I'm not a... I'm not a sweater person, so... <laughs> like, I wasn't paying attention to the sweaters. Apparently, it looked really comfortable. I guess. I don't know. It looked like something a rich white person would wear. <laughs> Which is what he plays in the movie, so it was perfect wardrobe. Uh, synopsis. A detective investigates the death... Of a patriarch of an eccentric, combative family. So this was uh, kind of promoted as a whodunit, but it might be a little bit of a spoiler that they kind of show you whodunit about halfway through. Mm-hmm. So, or, I mean, I haven't seen it, but so is it? Do they really show you halfway through, or are you just smarter than a lot of people? Well, they sh- they show you, but then they kind of. Uh, there's still a twist at the end. So I see. It's it's kind of like what they show you happened happened, but there's more to it that you find mm-hmm. out, you know, in the second half of the movie. But so I I thought that kind of took away from it in my opinion, but although I guess it is more of a uh kind of a commentary on another social classes commentary. Yeah. Not a commentary on a commentary, but <laughs> it's a commentary on social classes and uh, how the wealthy treat people who are not as wealthy and then like how entitled people feel when they uh, kind of lose their privilege, mm-hmm. if you will. So there's some of that. There's some political stuff. He... he puts both sides of the spectrum in there and neither one really comes off very good Mm -hmm. 
but uh, that's what I like. <laughs> but I don't. I was a little disappointed that they uh, they didn't keep the mystery going, uh, or they they kind of they kind of blew their wad early in the movie. I Ooh. thought, you know, like I said, they kind of just show you a lot of stuff early on, and then it it kind of peters out after that, as far as the mystery aspect of it goes. Because then they're like. What are they even looking for? Like, we already know what happened. The wad peters out? And we're just... (laughs) And then from there, we're just trying to figure out if the guy can put all the pieces together. Mm -hmm. Uh, But overall, uh, you know, it's still enjoyable. There's some funny parts in there. Uh, I thought the acting was was very good. Uh, And it's still worth seeing. I'll say eventually for Knives Out. All right. Eventually. I'm going to talk about one that's relevant to the time of year. It is that Christmas season, so I've been watching a lot of Christmas movies, and I saw one that I've never seen before, mostly because you used to have to have a bootleg to watch it. Oh. It is streaming right now on Shudder, and it is called Deadly Games, also known as Dial Code Santa Claus. I think that was one of the... WWE in your house pay per views back in the nineties. <laughs> Deadly games. A second, won't show up. On IMDb, it's listed as game over. Game over, man. So there is a lot of titles for this. I hate when they do that. When like the IMDb has the alternate title, yeah. and everybody else is showing it under the uh, the uh, what like a the same title. But it's different than IMDb. Yeah. get pretty frustrating, but just know that this is a French film and kind of a precursor to Home Alone. <laughs> In fact, the the uh, filmmaker, director Rene Manzor, actually threatened a lawsuit <laughs> for, pla- uh, you know, for plagiarizing, but I don't think anything ever came of it. It's probably simultaneous inspiration. Came out in 1989. Stars Bridget Fossey, Louis Ducreux, Patrick Florzheim, Alain Lalanne, Francois-Eric Gendron, Stephanie Legros. That's about it. Synopsis. Thomas, a very intelligent and resourceful child, is left alone with his beloved and fragile granddad on Christmas Eve, when a psychopath dressed as Santa Claus breaks into their mansion and starts chasing them. Thomas will do whatever he can to save himself and his granddad. This must have been written by a French person. Who says granddad? (laughs) I don't know. It's not very common. So this is not rated. I would say if it was rated today, it'd be PG-13. Okay. Pretty close to an R, but uh, yeah, it's like a horror Christmas movie. But there's a family element because it's a kid most of the time. Mm-hmm. It's like home. If you combined Home Alone and Richie Rich and made it a horror movie, this is is the movie you would come up with. Because the main kid is extremely wealthy. He lives in a mansion slash castle. <laughs> His mother owns. Um, there's no father in the picture. I forget if he passed away or if there was a divorce or what, but mm. there's no father figure. Um, the mother owns a bunch of companies. I think one of them is a toy company. 
But yeah, he kind of spends his days messing around with high-tech gadgets and toys. Like, I think late 80s, but yeah. like he's basically talking on the internet with people. <laughs> he's probably talking to Al Gore. <laughs> That's who it was. Al Gore. Did you know that <laughs> the earth is getting warmer? <laughs> no, I don't. It's 1989. It's fucking cold outside. There's this creepy looking dude in a Santa Claus costume that is uh, seems to take quite a liking to the children, especially young boys. Um, and he's chatting with this kid on, on some message chat. Mm-hmm. The kid thinks he's talking to Santa Claus. <laughs> So the guy's asking for his address, like, oh, come to your house tonight. It's Christmas Eve. And uh, it gets cut off, but he gets enough information on the call to know that he's the son of the woman who owns this company. And I think he was working uh, for this company. Okay. But, uh, yeah, he creates a scene and gets fired. But I mean, if people are getting catfished in 2019, <laughs> yeah. what do people in 1989 have a chance at? Yeah. Because this kid uh, is extremely smart, yet he still believes in Santa Claus, which Mm. is the conundrum people talk about. Like, oh, you know, just he he wants to prove that Santa Claus exists. (laughs) So he has a a bunch of cameras all around his house, and Mm. he can monitor them. He has like this very clunky wrist monitor where Mm. he can watch all the different cameras on his (laughs) wrist. Like he can toggle through them. That's crazy. Yeah. And uh, so he's going to set a trap and get Santa Claus on videotape. And um, at the same time, there's going to be a package delivered to his house and that uh, pedophile Santa Claus hops in to go to that house. So So it's like the Osimo episode of (laughs) South Park? (laughs) A little bit. I've always wanted a big package. Once Santa comes down the chimney, the jig is up pretty quick. I won't say what happens, but uh, not to say that the kid has figured out that Santa Claus isn't real, but that Santa Claus is a murdering psychopath. <laughs> He's got to protect his uncle, who, or sorry, his, his grandfather, who's granddad, mostly mostly blind. Why was Santa killing so many people in the 80s? <laughs> I, don't, uh, I don't know. A lot of... Uh, a lot of troubled children grew up and started making movies, I guess. No wonder Gen X turned out the way they did. <laughs> this movie is a lot of fun. Like, it starts out with the kid just playing in his house, and he has, like, he he does the whole commando thing. You can tell he's a fan of commando because he's <laughs> recreating it, like the whole setup, nice. the, the, the montage. and uh, The montage of daddy-daughter fun time? No, no not that one. <laughs> The one where he puts on makeup and he, you know, he gets all his guns and weapons ready. and He's not petting deer and eating <laughs> ice cream. Nope. Not going on a date with his daughter. <laughs> um, and he has, like, the mansion has, like, a master sound. So he has all these tapes of just war sounds that'll just play over it. So, like, his whole house just sounds like a war zone. And he's, like, you know, running through it like a little kid playing, you know war basically (laughs) so that's like the richie rich factor comes in because this kid is extremely wealthy it Mm. seems like seems like it's jeff bezos kid or something (laughs) no limits does jeff bezos have kids i don't think so probably not he's kind of robotic (laughs) (laughs) but uh, yeah i had a lot of fun with this movie you know not necessarily one to watch with 
small children, but uh, you'd enjoy it with uh, by yourself or with your significant other or friends, and then you can decide if you want to introduce it to the kids. Mm-hmm. But to, yeah, I will give it an eventually. Eventually. It's probably too much reading for the kids. Yeah. There's a tiny bit of English, but yeah, it's mostly subtitles, French. Hmm. So uh, you challenged me last time. To watch a 1964 movie called Goldfinger. That I did. It was directed by, was it Guy Hamilton or Gee Hamilton? <laughs> Guy Hamilton. <laughs> Starring Sean Connery, Gert Frobe. He's got the umlaut. I don't, uh, I don't know. Gert Frobe is what I've heard. Honor Blackman, Shirley Eaton, Tanya Mallet, Harold Sakata, Bernard Lee, Martin Benson, Sec Linder. Uh, that's probably all the important people, right? Sure. Uh, synopsis. While investigating a gold magnet smuggling, James Bond uncovers a plot to contaminate the Fort Knox Gold Reserve. Spoilers! <laughs> Operation Grand Slam. <laughs> that's was, that, name. was that a golf reference? <laughs> I couldn't tell what, what he was referencing. They say Goldfinger's British, but he's got a funny accent. (laughs) Sure does. (laughs) Can't quite place it. Uh, Yeah, so what is this? The third James Bond movie you challenged me to? Yep. I'll say I liked this one the best of the three so far. Good. Uh, Goldfinger, the character Goldfinger is fucking fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorites. Yeah, he's... uh, I don't know. There's just something about him where like, he's just fun to watch. Yeah. He's not necessarily the smartest guy, mm-hmm. and he kind of gets uh, outwitted by James Bond multiple times, mm-hmm. but like his scheme makes the most sense of yeah. virtually any other, uh, pretty much any other one that we've had so far. Yeah, it's one of the better schemes in Bond history, I guess. With his... Uh, smuggling of gold and then the uh the whole fort knox thing that we mentioned in the synopsis like it wasn't that far-fetched to be honest there's some far-fetched elements of of the project grand slam or whatever the operation grand slam yeah but uh like theoretically it made sense Mm -hmm. i don't know this is another one where james bond like i don't think he's a a very good spy And this is not not the Bond movie to, uh, it's not the one you're going to come away thinking, God, he's a great spy. I haven't thought that yet. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) like I I had a much higher opinion of you when I didn't watch your movies. Maybe it's one of those things like Batman where, uh, you know, he's the world's greatest detective. Yeah. We don't really see him detect things in movies. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's the movies. They're different from comic books, but. Cause it's like these might be different from the books, but specifically in this movie, like he gets the case to surveil Goldfinger, and the first thing he does is say, he he basically uh, introduces himself and he's like, "I'm watching you," and like maybe you should be a little more low key with it. Maybe you know from a distance you watch him, not. Just start fucking with him right away and tell him your name and that you're watching him. And Well, he already knew. Goldfinger. Goldfinger knew? Goldfinger knows all. Did he know specifically that James Bond was watching him before James Bond told him? Yeah. Well, he knew before James Bond did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. Well, 
one of those. I mean, I think that's like in every movie, he never really gives a fake name. He's always like, I'm Bond, James Bond. <laughs> I'm James Bond, motherfucker. <laughs> Haven't you seen my movies? <laughs> Because, you know, it starts off with, uh, what are they playing, Gin Rummy? And he's, uh, Goldfinger's cheating. He's got his his paid girlfriend there cheating for him. Mm-hmm. Giving him, uh, radioing in the uh, the other guy's hand. I was actually thinking, in my head, I was thinking, like, golf. Or he's yeah. Like, so even before that, yeah. like, he's like, James gets the, the mission. He's like, Goldfinger's over there. We need you to watch him. He immediately goes up to Goldfinger's room. Mm-hmm. Finds the uh, the girl on the balcony radioing in the other guy's cards. Yeah, and then James Bond just gets on the radio. He's like, "I'm James Bond. You're gonna lose today. We'll see you later." <laughs> and then uh, they go to play golf, and Bond acts like they didn't even have that previous conversation, mm-hmm. which wasn't really a conversation, but still, yeah, because it was one way traffic. I forget. Does he say James Bond over the over the radio? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty sure he does. Yeah. So, but, uh, yeah, uh, the first half of the movie, I, I really liked though. Like the whole interaction with like on the golf course was pretty sweet mm-hmm. with, uh, just how they, uh, kind of bantered back and forth. I think he's a goldfinger is a fantastic character. Odd job was pretty cool too. Although it's kind of funny seeing him throw his hat and miss at stuff and then have to go run up and get his hat. <laughs> It's like you couldn't like make it a boomerang, or <laughs> <laughs> just have it boomerang around. Man. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, like is it? Uh, would you uh, would you say you like Bond more, like the character, in this one than you have the previous? Yeah, I would say so. Yeah, I would say so. Starting to come around a little bit. Yeah. Uh, his cockiness, his cocky nature is starting to become more endearing. I think so. <laughs> I, uh, this one, yeah, it, it 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 hit me better than in previous movies. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, just overall, uh, the best one I've seen so far. Uh, I don't know if I could quite go as soonish, um, but it's definitely an eventually. I'll go eventually. All right. Eventually. So that leads us to... The movie challenge for next week, or I should say next episode. This is a challenge. What do you got for me, Brett? I have for you a 2016 comedy mm. called The Brothers Grimsby. <laughs> Your favorite, Sasha Baron. Sasha Baron Cohen. Your boy. Plays a football hooligan mm-hmm. who... Uh, reunites with his estranged brother who is a british spy yeah and hilarity ensues yeah i've almost watched it a couple of times but never pulled the trigger it's one of those ones where i wasn't super sure about it the first time i watched it i thought well it could be good but i was very happy when i watched it so we'll give that to you and uh, we'll get your thoughts next time all right Before we get into spoilers for a movie from 1964, uh, we're just going to wrap up the show a little bit. And if you want to stick around for more Goldfinger talk, uh, you are welcome to. You can reach out to us. You can email us at watchthismovie at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at watchthis underscore movie or Brett at positivelywolf1. 
check out our website at WTMWatchThisMovie.com. And please rate and review, subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many other podcast apps. And Brett, where can people get the lovely merch that we have? It's on Teespring. Teespring.com slash stores slash WTM Watch This Movie. I believe we both have it in our Twitter bio now. Yeah. So if you're following us on Twitter, just head to our bio and uh, there's a quick link there. Through the end of December, if you use the promo code XMAS, you'll get 10% off your order. Xmas. And we have a very special Christmas design up there. That we do. Which, I don't know, this might come out before or after Christmas. It's probably too late to order it before Christmas, but <laughs> it's still a pretty cool design. We have a lot of other shit up there, too, so uh, check it out. And uh, consider supporting the show and uh, finding a way to spread the word with some uh, t-shirts or hoodies or stickers or whatever you might like. All right. Let's get into spoilers for Goldfinger. Now, (laughs) Goldfinger is kind of known as, I mean, it's some people's favorite, considered one of the best, but it's kind of universally thought of as the blueprint for how you make a James Bond film. Right. It's, it's the formula. Mm-hmm. And you, you got to have a great henchman. You got to have a great villain, great music, uh, set pieces. You got to have lasers. <laughs> I noticed, well, I noticed they had the scene that gets parodied in every James Bond, uh, spoof and parody where the laser coming at his crotch. Yep. They expect you yeah. to die. Yeah. It's a great scene, great line too. He's <laughs> expect me to talk. He's like, he doesn't give a shit. He's like, no, I expect you to die. <laughs> so, and then he talks his way out of it, <laughs> which I was a little confused. Like, so he knows about Operation Grand Slam. So, what are you assuming that he's told other people about it? And so you need to keep him alive. Yeah, that was he wasn't sure. What he's communicated with his superiors. And keeping him alive would do what? Find more information from him. I guess. Try and get more information uh, about MI6 and whatnot. Except they really don't. They just kind of chill and drink some lemonade or something. Well, they did have him in a jail cell. And he (laughs) he escapes very easily. Just goes a couple of waves to the guard, and the guard's like, wait a second. He stopped waving. Yeah. And then they go in and investigate. <laughs> I was just groaning at that part. It's like, don't go in there. <laughs> like, what the fuck? Where do you think he went? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, Pussy Galore. Pussy Galore. Best name. What a. They couldn't do that in 2019. No. People are too hip to the slang. And this is right after, uh, you know, in Dr. No. Uh, the f- first woman he meets when he says Bond, James Bond at the casino is uh, Sylvia Trench. Mm. And that's uh, not the main one because Ursula Andress is at the island and is right. with her. But in the beginning of From Russia With Love, that's who he's with. Oh. Sylvia Trench. Okay. So it was like his side piece or whatever that he was having fun with. I'm like, ah, I got to go to work. <laughs> and I'm gone the rest of the movie. I didn't put that together. I couldn't. I'm like, well, I was just- is it's it's not a, very just a random chick. I don't know. Yeah, it's not that easy because most movies start with him and just like a random chick, <laughs> like this one. <laughs> yeah, actually, this one started with him with a duck on his head. Yeah, 
But that that scene was pretty hilarious too. Where uh, so he blew up the building, which lit a cigarette at the exact moment it blew up, which is pretty baller. In that white suit, had like a doggy door or something into that building that he blew up. Yeah, that white uh, (laughs) white smoker's jacket. Yeah, and then uh, yeah, I love that he's he's going to hook up with this chick in her in her hotel room, (laughs) and he sees in the reflection of her eyes some guy with a slapjack. And he just turns her into it. <laughs> and then he fights the guy and gets him in the bathtub and throws a, was like a fan or something yeah. into there. Electrocutes him. And he's just shocking. <laughs> Absolutely shocking. Yeah, the lines get better and better. <laughs> Especially with Roger Moore because he wanted more comedy in those yeah. movies. But um, So that was fantastic. Yeah, Guy Hamilton also directed Live and Let Die. Okay. Which is another one you I was enjoyed. Yeah. We're ecstatic with it, but um Yeah, the uh <laughs> the Me Too uh movement wouldn't be too happy with this movie. Especially in the beginning when uh that girl's name is with a what, Dink? Yeah. Dinky or something? Like dinky, I Dink. Think. And <laughs> he introduces Dink to uh Felix, I think. Yeah. And he's like, uh say goodbye, Dink. Man talk, and then he slaps her on the ass and sends her on her way. <laughs> no, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> when he first met Pussy Galore, and she's like, uh, that won't work on me. All I could picture was Manny from uh, Scarface when he was trying to stick his tongue out at those girls <laughs> at the beach. <laughs> Lesbians. <laughs> <laughs> well, she's wearing a pantsuit, Brett. And she was flying a plane. Yeah, this is 1964. Pantsuits. Were strictly for lesbians. <laughs> so, or so the story goes. So was plane flying. He thought she was the stewardess. Yeah. But they had, they had a lot of Asian people there working for Goldfinger. Mm-hmm. Everyone, uh, she says, uh, my name's Pussy Galore, and he's like, must be dreaming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he turns her. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She resists for quite a while. I mean, he turns her over and rapes her. <laughs> no, he, he rapes her face to face. Well, he does that judo flip. <laughs> He's on top of her. She's pushing him away. And then after about 20 seconds of struggling, she relents and seems to possibly enjoy it. I think she gets some uh, uh, Stockholm syndrome pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. She resist, she's uh, reluctant, but then uh, <laughs> she realizes that there's no, there's no, uh, no fighting it. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. Whether, well, he knows all the moves she does. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to happen whether she wants it or not. <laughs> um, so the yeah, Operation Grand Slam, pretty ingenious plan to. Uh, Make the gold radioactive for over 50 years. Yeah, it would was, be uh, right about now that it would be uh, <laughs> work uh, just fine again. I was wondering about that. Like, okay, let's say that happened. Somebody 58 to be exact. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was thinking, okay, let's say somebody did that and all the gold is radioactive. Well, it's not like they fucking use it or even move the gold. It's just. That gold in Fort Knox is going to be there for, like, fucking ever. Right. Can't they just be like, hey, guys, like, you know what's there. It'll be fine in 50 years. It's not going anywhere. 
Well, I don't know. Was uh, America still on the gold standard in 64? Uh, I Probably don't, not. I don't think so. Probably not. I think it ended a couple decades before that. But I don't know. Maybe they do some uh, some trading in gold. Possibly. But Or maybe once it's uh, radioactive, they're just like, fuck it. We need to buy replacements. Mm-hmm. You can see this uh, plot was semi-copied in Die Hard with a Vengeance. <laughs> Or the plan he said was to blow up the gold in the Federal Reserve, right? But he was it was a it was all a ploy because he was like, "Well, I I'm going to steal it because because I, I want a hundred <laughs> some million in gold or a billion, right. sorry, billion in gold. It's a lot of gold. Mm-hmm. How about uh, uh, Goldfinger getting uh, fitting through that tiny window of the airplane at the end? He <laughs> <laughs> gets sucked out. I like how they shot it too. Cause like, <laughs> it was like a balloon that they just let the air out of. That <laughs> <laughs> it was. Yeah, it's got uh, great action. I mean, at least for the time. Like I said, with the Bond formula, it has car chases. It has the gadgets. It has Q. Q doesn't show up until the second one. So this okay. is the second one with yeah. Q. Oh, you had the uh, the Aston Martin in this one. Yeah, all the, the all the bells and whistles. Yeah, all the accessories. <laughs> when he runs the girl <laughs> off the road, when after with the saw, yeah, he cuts her tire and he goes a double blowout. I've never seen one of those before. <laughs> <laughs> That's actually a pretty good chase scene, though. <laughs> like our chase with him and the girl. Yeah, although it was funny because he like he uh, he like cuts in front of her and then. Uh, he lets her get back in front of him, or vice versa. He's playing a little leapfrog. Yeah. And then uh, he takes her to the garage, <laughs> or, or the garage, whatever. And, uh, yeah, that was pretty funny. No, there's, uh, there's a lot of good stuff in this. Definitely, a, uh, I think, a step up from, from Russia with love. Mm-hmm. You got the iconic uh, woman in gold paint as well. That oh, was the sister of the woman on the road, and then she suffers the same fate with uh, Oddjob throwing his hat at her. Yeah, I was going to mention the uh, his explanation of skin suffocation <laughs> about how it happens sometimes with cabaret dancers, but you need to have a spot of skin at the base of the spine that's not painted so you don't get skin suffocation. <laughs> and I'm thinking, so you're saying you just don't paint the butthole? <laughs> like, do you breathe through your asshole? Is that, <laughs> is that what you're saying, James Bond? Just the lower back. It's at the base of the spine. Well, how do you think he was uh, swimming when he had the duck on his head? <laughs> <laughs> that thing was making noises, too, wasn't it? Can't remember. I think he had, like, a little... Like flaps on it so he could like make the wings move or something like that. It's like that Eagles fan. <laughs> like that video of the Eagles fan who get interviewed on the street after they lost. Can you make him flap one more time? And he just very sadly pulls up. <laughs> He's got a baseball cap with an eagle on it. Mm. And the wings flap when you pull on a cord. Yeah. And he's very sad. Like you said, uh, Bond isn't the best spy in this one. Uh, his main contribution is <laughs> flipping the uh, sexual preference of a villain. Right. He turns pussy galore from lesbian 
and from bad guy. Yeah, bad to good. Because she... Uh, because lesbian is bad. <laughs> because she, she's the one that tips off the, uh, the guys who are supposed to be watching Bond, but they're kind of not because they think he's got everything in check, mm-hmm. even though he clearly doesn't. Yeah. And at the end, he's trying to defuse the bomb, and Felix just comes over and flips the switch <laughs> on 007. It's pretty funny. Just, Felix is just like, I'll call him like, no, you're missing it, James. Oh, I like to James, those, you're out of your element. I like to tell those guys also uh, camped out at Kentucky Fried Chicken. Because <laughs> <laughs> it takes place uh, in Kentucky. Goldfinger has a stud farm in Kentucky. <laughs> yeah. So he's just... Breeding horses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, a lot of iconic moments. It's where the formula was solidified. So you kind of look for that going forward. Now, I'm going to give you a bit of a break next time. Uh, not going to assign you a James Bond movie next. But, um, yeah, I'm trying to decide if I really want to assign you all of them, like, eventually. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the uh, thing is... You know, there's some bad ones. I still like the bad ones, but you might even like the bad ones more than me. You, you probably get a kick out of how silly they are. Maybe. But, yeah, I'm not sure exactly. But Guy Hamilton directed this and Live and Let Die and The Man with the Golden Gun, which is right after Live and Let Die. Hmm. I'm definitely assigning you that one. That's thought of as one of the lesser ones, but it has Christopher Lee as the villain. and. Okay. His little henchman, played by Hervé Villachez. So <laughs> nice. It is fantastic. <laughs> I think you get a kick out of that one. Uh, but he also did this fourth one. Well, it was before Living Let Die. It was Diamonds Are Forever. Okay. Because after You Only Live Twice, Sean Connery is like, I'm done. I'm not coming back. So they hired George Lazenby. Hmm. They did one movie, and Lazenby said, no, I'm going to be a hippie. I'm not shaving this fucking beard. And so they're like, come on, Sean, we need you back. So they got back for one called Mm. Diamonds Are Forever. And that movie is a mess. (laughs) Bond goes to Vegas. Ooh. Blofeld's back. And uh, he he changes faces because he has like some futuristic plastic surgery type stuff. But I got to say, I'm disappointed they killed off Goldfinger. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I could watch another movie with that guy. (laughs) (laughs) Humpty <laughs> Dumpty running around. How about when he quick gets into his uh he has that uh US Army uniform? <laughs> Just out of nowhere, but he has a gold gun. <laughs> that was fucking great. And then he's like he just turns on the guy that was there with him. <laughs> then he fucking shoot oh yeah, it's all the Americans come through thinking that he's one of them and then he just shoots them all in the back. <laughs> that was pretty ingenious. Yeah. But that uh, Diamonds Are Forever is also famous for, it has uh, two henchmen, two hitmen, hmm. who seem to have a very close relationship. Oh. And uh, one of them is played by Crispin Glover's dad. I forget his name, but it's Crispin Glover's dad. Yeah, I forget. Are the characters named, like, Dicks a lot or something? Uh, <laughs> no, it's uh, Mr. Wint and uh, Mr. Kit, I think. Kit or Kid. Kit, yeah, or Mr. Wint and Mr. Kid. But uh, yeah, the, there, there's even a scene where they hold hands. I think, <laughs> but they like they don't just they're not just after Bond like they kill a bunch of people. Mm-hmm. They're just assassins, but they uh, 
they spend their killing time together, shall we say. <laughs> but yeah, that movie is ridiculous. So my God, I wish I know the next one, Thunderball, there's a like a twenty minute battle underwater. So it's very slow. <laughs> but Thunderball, I think, is the most like the first Austin Powers movie. Okay. I mean, you've already seen a lot of things that they've parodied, but mm. I think Thunderball is the main one. But um, yeah, I guess we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I will be watching the Brothers Grimsby for next recently seen episode, which won't come for a few weeks, but yeah. we'll be doing Home Alone next. And then episode 200. That we are. It's in the can. That it is. Uh, anything else you wanted to add? No, I think we touched on pretty much everything. Yeah. Goldfinger. Soonish. <laughs> you said eventually, but you want to say soonish. It's close. <laughs> like the first the first half I was really enjoying. The second half, like there's some goofy stuff that I'm like uh, kind of took me yeah. out of it. But well, you were uh, you had the itis. <laughs> You're sleeping. I rewatched the last twenty minutes last night, but uh, yeah. Because I had almost forgotten that he went out the fucking plane window. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, yeah, that was pretty fucking great. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there's some stuff that kind of slows down towards the second half or uh, didn't didn't quite uh, hit me as well as the first half. So it kind of yeah. dropped it down to it eventually. Probably but, could. but overall, it's, it's it was very good. Yeah. All right. Uh, we will check you later. Guess we'll see you around. All right. Check you later. Bye. Wait, man, why are you always such a dork, man? What are you talking about? Check you later. Check you later. Hey, man, you lost my case.